Hey there, welcome back to PH Expanded. This is Mike McDonald after a rather delightful evening watching our Arsenal uh, beat Palace first game of the season. Boy, that was pivotal. As I said in the uh, blog that you may have read, uh, that I feel was um, talking of a sliding doors moment. That might be one of the most important ones in the entire season. Um, just look at it from the media perspective and how they'd have jumped on Arsenal. Friday night game, same as last year. If we lose that game, then they're going to jump all over us because they don't wait for a second opportunity to ever do that. So, um, And, you know, with the documentary coming out and some people attacking Arsenal for that and picking on them, it's... That really made a statement. Uh, there's also, of course, been talk uh, that Arsenal are the team to keep an eye on this year. And so we had some pressure and something to prove. And that game really could end up being the catalyst for uh, one of our runs this season. Uh, a run at the beginning of the season. Boy, that would be nice. And I just feel that uh, two give the team belief that they can achieve what they're probably capable of achieving, which is actually to push uh, Manchester City and Liverpool, not necessarily be able to to win the league. But the way they've been playing this pre-season, well, I think we all see that there's something sort of special that's happening. And a, a team that's on its way to being a title challenger why could that team not maybe surprise and, you know, challenge and be the surprise team of the season? There's always one anyway, isn't there? Every single Premier League season I can ever remember, there's always one or maybe two teams that surprise. And looking at how Arsenal have recruited and how we're building this team and it's a talented team and we're doing well right now, then why can't we be the surprise team? So instead of coming let's say, fourth, fifth or fourth, which is probably the average prediction, the surprise would be that Arsenal don't finish fifth or fourth, they finish higher. And perhaps the surprise is that they actually challenge for a period of the season at least, that they're up there, challenging, looking like they've got a chance. So that really was a really big one um, and a thoroughly enjoyable game uh, and a tricky tricky fixture um, and I can only imagine the energy that playing your first game of the season knowing it's under the lights and everybody's watching uh, all over because you're the only game on and everyone's been waiting for the season to start and here you are and then you got your fans cheering you on and the home team loses uh, and they played rather well. That's this is a pretty good Palace team, and it doesn't really, you know, replicate anything they've ever put out in the past much. Um, so that I just think it was a really big win. Uh, I felt that the sliding doors moment was actually the second goal because the first goal, of course, uh, energised us and uh, was deserved based on the opening to the game, but. That game was absolutely in the balance um, and wasn't, well, 
it wasn't comfortable because looking at it, we defended pretty solidly and they had to really uh, stretch themselves to penetrate through us. And that, that pass from Zahar to Eze where he should have scored was a top quality pass. It, had, it took something of top quality to get through us. Uh, another top quality cross that Odson Edouard really should have scored and, and another great save by Ramsdale. So, you know, I just felt that that second goal, the own goal uh, of Saka's cross was certainly the moment where everything changed in that game and that game could have ended one-to-one or we could have even lost it, as I said in my uh, my piece, that uh, in previous seasons we would have. And I, I really believe that. Um, but But that didn't happen. And then as soon as that second goal went in, they looked deflated and you could tell the last three to five minutes of the game they weren't even really pushing I think they'd lost their belief Um, and I know an own goal will do that okay the positive that I wanted to uh, talk about was the way we won and most of the people I'm sure listening to this have played football or if they haven't they've played sport no doubt and they understand uh, what I'm going to say, I, I think. You know, if you win convincingly, first game of the season, that's great. And it gives you a lot of happiness and can also lead to complacency. Um, okay. Uh, add to too much hype. You know, if we'd have won that game 4-0, let's say, then we start getting hyped because the newspapers um, and such have to sell and that gives them a perfect opportunity to over-exaggerate. But as far as the players are concerned, having played sports and football in particular, when you win a game off the back of somewhat of a chest-thumping experience where you had backs to the wall and you really had to fight against a physically strong an aggressive team who are playing well and you still win and you win without conceding, you know, maybe retrospectively that's the best type of win. That or maybe a last-minute winner. But you, I think that the perfect win is often uh, wrapped in a struggle. And if you can struggle and still come out on top... You can point to that and it makes you feel somewhat invincible, um, even though it's just one game. Okay, so second thing, the the need, the, the more negative thought that uh, jumped out at me. And I was hoping, of course, this is just the first game, don't want to judge too, too uh, heavily, but I from last season I really wanted Arsenal to control games for longer periods, for 60 to 90 minutes, um, as we're now capable. Again, it's the first game of the season. This is just a thought. Um, After the first 25 minutes and that energetic dominant start, I didn't expect Arsenal to necessarily uh, maintain that level of energy because that's difficult to do. But we lost control not to the point where we looked susceptible necessarily, but we certainly weren't controlling the game. 
and lost a little composure, some of the players, not all of them, but the, the game pattern shifted pretty quickly and stayed that way for the majority of the second half. And I do think if Arteta was to have that back, he he would have dropped the defence earlier because they were repeatedly, especially in the second half, I think it was the beginning, first part of the second half, they were repeatedly hitting balls over the top of our high, our high line and releasing Zahar and Ayu uh, out wide for one-on-one opportunities and that seemed like the, how they were getting past our press and it was it was working often. So um, I think we just need to adjust a little quicker if we see something like that and try and control the game state a little better than we did. Okay, um, the hope that I have is for, uh, if we're going to have any more signings, it's that the next two that are prioritised are not the winger that I think the whispers are telling us. Uh, I think that when Fabio Vieira comes back, uh, we will see him as a absolutely as a wing option. I think that he is primarily there to rotate with Odegaard, but he's versatile. He's going to be one of the most versatile players in our squad. I think he can play the left eight as well. So we haven't seen him, and I have high hopes for him. So he's a player that can play on the wing and the left eight, and we haven't seen him yet. And so can Smith-Rowe. We haven't seen him yet. So if you've got those two players who are first-team level players to come in, who play those two positions that everybody's wanting us to go by next, I think that I disagree with that. Uh, I'm not saying that we shouldn't buy in those two positions. I just think that there are priorities. And for me, without a doubt, the number one and two priority in no particular order is to get another striker. Um, I don't think you can possibly survive the season with two strikers. Uh, I don't know if there's a plan for Martinelli to rotate in that position as, as needed. Smith Rowe is a false nine. Not sure. But I just think that there's one hole in the Arsenal squad that we didn't fill last season, we haven't filled yet, which is to have just the option of a target man. And if you read my stuff and listen to me ramble on, you'll know I've been talking about this for a while. This is not new information, but I think that that is a priority. And I think people won't realise it until it actually happens. And if we were to sign a target man as an option, then um, in a game where we were struggling to get out, a little bit like tonight, and we can not be quite as aesthetically pleasing in our football, but we can just toss a cross in and, and he's, this guy, this mysterious player, scores a header that we're not used to seeing. We'll go, ah, OK. That was a good use of a sub with 15 minutes left. Um I also think that not only do we need a third striker anyway, but if you're going to play that 3-1-4-2, which is how I saw that alternate formation in pre-season, then those two up front were Eddie and Gabriel Jesus. Um, and they work rather well together. But if you're going to do that, 
you have nobody else who's a uh, natural striker on the bench to rotate for those players. That doesn't make sense to me. So um, I think that that is something that Arsenal, in my opinion, have no choice over. I think they have to do something now that they've sent Balogun out. Okay, um, so there's that one. And then the other one to me is uh, a Thomas Party replacement. And I don't mean El Nenny as much as I, I'm comfortable with El Nenny playing, let's say, uh, home against Bournemouth. You know, in other similar games, maybe that's too low of a level. He can do other things too. But if Thomas Partey has to step out this season, be it injury or off-field matters, then you've got um, El Nenny plus... I don't know if we go back to Granite Xhaka. Uh, I don't think we even would hold on to the single pivot, which would be a shame because it seems to be working for the rest of the team. And so that seems like a really dumb thing to do, is to leave yourself potentially to where you have to change the entire team's plan because one player might not be able to play and your replacement is a good player, but he can't do that. So to me, if you can find a midfielder that can play as a single pivot and possibly play as a an eight, a left eight... That's perfect. You know, you've got uh, Frankie de Jong still on the market. Barcelona are trying to get rid of him. And I suppose I'm in dreamland only because allegedly he earns €470,000 a week. I'm not even sure what the translation is, but it's not too far off that with the current exchange rate. And of course, Arsenal are just not going to do that. I just, well, I just can't see it. Their, their new model is to get players in 200,000 and significantly less. And most of them are around 100,000, if not less. And so uh, Frankie de Jong would be perfect because he is, to me, potentially the best midfielder in the world, potentially. And he most certainly can play as a single pivot, uh, one, of, one of the best around at that. And due to his talent, he can certainly play as an eight. So you could play Thomas Partey and Frankie de Jong and Martin Odegaard, that could be your midfield three. And then if Thomas Partey goes down, you just move Frankie de Jong to DM as the single pivot. Now, that's the optimal solution. There are other uh, opportunities out there. I don't want to go into that too much today because I want to keep this close to 15 minutes. But I hope that you see what I see. or well, You don't have to, but uh, I just think that our season could turn around somewhat if Thomas Partey cannot play just because there's nobody else in the squad that can do what he can do and thankfully we've addressed all those other problems in the squad that we would say well if Ben White or Gabriel if they get injured we've got nobody else because Rob Holding and Pablo Mari aren't good enough but now we have William Saliba so there's lots of holes that have been filled just that one hasn't okay wanted to finish up with uh, some predictions, and you are absolutely free, and I'd love for you to, in the comments perhaps, uh, tell me what you think, uh, whether it's of my predictions or tell me what your predictions are. Uh, so I've written a few down here. I've, I'll finish, end of season finish, I've gone for second, um, and just based on the fact that I think we have so much potential, 
I do think that we will start fast, not just because we won our first game. I think that we will go on a run and I think that that will give us the belief. And even if we were to go in a little slump, the coaching staff could point at the beginning of the season. In fact, that's not really my point. I don't think they would have to point. I think the players would have accumulated such a pocket of belief that they're not going to be easily shook. And I think they'd get back out of a slump very quickly. And so I think that there's every chance that Arsenal can come second, and I think they will. Trophies. Which trophies will we win, if any? I actually think we'll win two. I think we'll win the Europa League, and I think that that will mostly, of course, be based on who drops out of the Champions League and whether we can compete. But, I mean, honestly, if Arsenal were in the Champions League this season, I'm not saying we could win the Champions League necessarily, but... I'm not scared of anybody. You stick us up against Bayern Munich with this current Arsenal team, Real Madrid, Manchester City. And, and, you know, if Manchester City, for example, are the standard, one of the best teams in Europe, no doubt. And last season, we lost to them, but really, really deserved to win. And again, that was just one game. And they've beaten us every time they've played us over the last however many years. But that was last season and we're better this season. And there's just so many signs that we can compete at that level. In fact, honestly, Arsenal should be in the Champions League if it was just based on current quality. We could compete and get to maybe a quarterfinal level in that competition this year, I think. At least a challenge for that anyway. Blah, blah, blah. I think we'll win the Europa League. And I think we'll win the Carabao Cup. Hmm. Player of the year at Arsenal at the end of the season, really sticking my neck out, Fabio Vieira. Um, and of course, this is just a hunch because I haven't seen him with an Arsenal jersey on. What I have seen of him is that he has, uh, his first thought is to penetrate. And I think Arsenal have desperately needed a player that had that as the first thought. He wants to play the ball behind. He wants to play a through ball. He wants to assist. That's his first thought. And Odegaard has that potential, but I don't believe that's his first thought. Not really. Um, Vieira has more of a burst than Odegaard has. And uh, I think Vieira will open up Saka's game and demand Saka run behind, which is Bakio Saka's biggest weakness, is he doesn't run behind the defence anywhere near enough to create simple opportunities for himself. He... Uh, He's a player that always seems to have to uh, pull a worldly dribble in order to have an opportunity to score. So there's my neck sticking out saying Fabio Vieira will be the difference maker and be player of the year. Um, Okay, young player of the year, not at Arsenal. I'm saying that William Saliba will be the young player of the year in the Premier League. And of course, this is predictions and I've not seen him play a Premier League game beyond the one we've just seen, and maybe that's bold, but I've been watching this football stuff for quite a while, and there's something special about that guy. Um, And I think he'll comfortably win Young Player of the Year, even though he's a defender, and he's not going to catch the eye with the goals and assists. Talking of goals and assists, I think that Gabriel Jesus will have the most goals and assists in the Premier League this season. Not the, the most goals, but combined... And if you saw him at City, he really refined that assist part of his game. And so there's another bold prediction. And here's another one coming up as well. Gosh, I'm full of them. 
goal scored for Arsenal this season. Are you ready for this? 81. I know that's a massive difference. But I'm just saying 81. And there it is. And goals against, um, because we are currently looking so much more solid with the new additions we've got. And the, even players like Tommy Yasu, who are now going to struggle to get back into this team. Um, and who would have ever thought that? I'm saying 29. 81 goals scored and 29 against. What planet am I living on, right? Very bold. Okay, signings for the remainder of this transfer window. I uh, This is not what I would do necessarily, but I think there'll be three. I think it'll be Cody Gakpo as a wing option and centre-forward option. Big guy. Big uh, unit of a player. So quick, good on the ball. Similar to Martinelli, actually. But I think that they're waiting... Uh, PSV, his team, are waiting to play their second uh, leg of their Champions League qualifier. They uh, they drew the first one with Monaco 1-1 one one last week. I think once the second leg's out and they're in the Champions League proper, PSV or not, PSV will be more willing to sell him. But that's a big, big game. And we, we remember those games... Uh, and so it's hard to sell your players before you've secured Champions League football. So I think the club will go for Cody Gakpo, and I think that they will go for Yuri Tillemans uh, if the reports are to believe be believed that that's Arteta's pick. And if it's Arteta's pick, I think that he has the full trust, and I think it's as simple as that. And he excites me with his vision and passing ability. Very, very few in the Premier League that can pass a football like that guy. I am concerned about his defensive uh, efforts. No, not his efforts. His defensive effort is rather good. It's just his recovery more than his physical effort. And I think the third player will just be a youngster. And uh, there's been a few whispers, and I've watched videos of this guy, and I have no idea how to pronounce his name. Arda is his first name. He's Turkish, I guess. He plays in the Turkish lead. Arda, it looks like Gula, but it could be pronounced... Very differently. Um, so apologies there. G-U-L-E-R. Watch him uh, on uh, on the YouTube and have a look. Apparently we're looking at him. I believe he's 17 years of age, a very diminutive attacking player. And I think Arsenal will certainly buy a younger up-and-coming player to develop, whether they send them out on loan or, or not. I'll put him in the academy. But there's uh, my best guess there. Most improved player at Arsenal this season. I will go for Gabriel Martinelli. Uh, he was rather good last season, but I think he's going to add consistency and end product more, yeah, more consistently. So, um, uh, and I think his motivation, like a lot of the players actually, um, to get into the Brazilian squad for the World Cup will be high, high, high because he's probably right on the cusp and if they were to pick the squad today probably 50 50 whether he makes that squad I think he's made the last few but he hasn't had many appearances and that's hyper competitive as we all know and finally surprise of the season what about this award what do you get for this award um Here's my surprise of the season. And of all the things I've guessed at, this is the one I'd love to hear from you on. 
if you have an opinion. I think the surprise of the season is that Lakonga will score between 8 and 10 goals this season. I think when I watch him in that left 8 space and I see him attack the box, he does it with such determination and regularly. And if we can find him like we did against, uh, who was it? Was it Chelsea, the last goal? Was that it? Or Sevilla? Whatever. doesn't really matter. I think that that guy seems to have an instinct in the box. And I've spotted it recently. That's my surprise, is that he's going to contribute more so than any other midfielder to the goals column. Thank you for reading today. Thank you for listening. And tomorrow, which is in not too many hours, I get to wake up and enjoy a whole day of football with no stress because Arsenal are already top of the league.